Hello, everybody, and this is the BearCast Media Bengals Weekly Preview Show. I am Justin Cashman, alongside Alex Frank and Preston Stober, and it, we are only a couple days out from the first Bengals game of the season against the Los Angeles Chargers. Almost said San Diego there. Um, so, <laughs> how are you guys feeling going into the first game of the season? I feel great. I mean, you said it, Justin, on our show Monday that this is the most excited you've been for any Bengals season in recent years, and I think. It's palpable, and it's justifiable. Joe Burrow's here. A.J. Green's back for the first time in two years. Um, there's just all the free agent signings. And look, we're less than 48 hours away from kickoff. And especially in a year like this where you think about the uncertainty caused by COVID-19 and just, you know, nothing's normal. The fact that, you know, we have football. There was a game last night, Chiefs beating the Texans 34-20. It's exciting. I really am excited. I don't know about you, Preston, but it's definitely up there. I'm sure you having played quarterback, you know all about this time of year. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a very exciting time, especially for somebody like Joe Burrow. Um, and you know how he's, he's definitely ready to get out there on the field in a couple of days, especially after seeing his buddy Clyde Edwards-Alaire go off last night. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure he's very antsy. And, and yeah, definitely a very exciting season at hand uh, with some of the new guys that you talked about. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely ready to watch him here. How about that game last night? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he played really excellent. Chiefs picking up right where they left off. Seemingly. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, um, as much as we're looking forward to the season, you know, we're looking forward to Joe Burrow and all the new additions. There are injuries. Um, even though there are no preseason games, injuries happen. And there are actually some pretty bit notable injuries going into game one for both teams. Um, the Bengals announced today that Geno Atkins um, is out as long as uh, – as well as Sean Williams, who I think we all predicted would be out after uh, injuring his cap earlier on in uh, camp. And then also LaShawn Sims is doubtful due to personal reasons. Um, so obviously Geno Atkins uh, being gone is a huge, huge loss. But I think that it's not as bad as it would have been in previous years due to additions DJ Reader and Mike Daniels. Um, so I think that they'll be able to fill the hole, fill the gap that Geno Atkins is leaving. But hopefully Geno will be back for... Uh, the Thursday night football game against the Browns in uh, week two. But the Chargers also have some pretty notable injuries. Mike Pouncey, their center, their starting center, is going to be out. But then they also have some other injuries along the uh, offensive line. Uh, they have Brian Belaga, their starting left tackle. Um, he's questionable. Trey Turner, he's questionable. Guard. And then also guys like Mike Williams, um, the what was it, third year, fourth year? Uh, uh, fourth year wide receiver. Fourth year wide receiver. He's questionable as long as, uh, as, or as well as Virgil Green, um, backup tight end to Hunter Henry. So what, what, how do you feel about these injuries going into week one? Well, obviously, Geno Atkins and Sean Williams, just particularly Geno Atkins, when you look at what he's done throughout the course of his career here in Cincinnati, veteran on the, on the defensive side of the ball, not just on the defensive line, but the entire defensive side of the ball. And his the leadership that he brings is, uh, is second to none. So... Him not playing this week, it does cause for some concern. But, Justin, you really hit the uh, nail with the hammerhead there when you said that the depth that was created by the free agent spendings is going to be a really critical factor in this game for the Bengals. The fact that I believe they can weather the storm, even with Geno Atkins not being able to play. Now, Sean Williams, um, you know, obviously leader in the secondary. We've seen him make some big plays over the years. I think the Bengals, again, they're, I think they're going to be fine. Von Bell's in the starting lineup this week. Uh, excuse me, Mackenzie Alexander, Nick, uh, Nickel Corner, William Jackson. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this team does overcome these injuries. Because, look, I mean, these aren't – it's not like, you know, Christian Covington, no knock on him, is out. Or, um, 
you know, someone lower on the depth chart. No, the, the, this is your starting defensive tackle, who's a perennial pro bowler, and your starting safety, who is one of your captains. So these are significant injuries. But I do think now, you also mentioned with the Chargers, keep this in mind, Justin and Preston, when we talk about the Bengals' free agent signings. How about Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner are both new to the Chargers to an offensive line that for years has been decimated by injuries? Well, guess what? One starter already out, two questionable leading up into Sunday's game. How are they going to weather the storm? That favors into the Bengals' defensive line, despite Geno Atkins being out. Preston, what do you think? Yeah, I think the exact same way there with uh, Geno Atkins and Sean Williams being out. And then especially with the Bengals, you said a new team here, so especially guys like guys like Joe Burrow and some of the young guys are going to have to step up in, in a leadership role, especially with a guy like Geno Atkins and Sean Williams out um, and kind of just you know lead the team a little bit uh, as, as these guys don't have the pads on on Sunday. No question about it. Now, I, I did hear you, you mention A.J. Green. So he's obviously um, back this week for the first time since, I can't believe it's been this long, December 1st, 2018. I don't know. It, it's been. It feels way too long. It feels almost like, I mean, it. It's almost like it, it's like something that you didn't think was going to happen is finally happening again. And you think that, he. I mean, he uses such such a star-studded wide receiver, and he made the Pro Bowl in his first seven seasons. And then he's been decimated with injuries. And you know, it's given the opportunity to guys like Tyler Boyd, John Ross, to step up and make big plays. Uh, guys like Auden Tate. And I think now that you have those guys who you know can play in the absence of A.J. Green, and then you add A.J. Green back to this offense, I think that it's very dangerous for opposing defenses, especially with the Chargers who have great corners, Chris Harris, Desmond King, um, Casey Hayward. So I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be hard for them to cover all of those guys because they're not going to know who's the number one guy because for the last couple of years, it's been, you know, Tyler Boyd. He's had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. But then with A.J. Green, I mean, he's 32, He's coming off injury. You don't know exactly what he's going to be. So do you cover him? Do you cover John Ross, who had a great few first weeks of uh, the 2019 season? Or Auden Tate, the 6'5", you know, um, playmaker, can go up and get it. And then, you know, now you have T. Higgins, who I'm not sure how much playing time he's going to get. But, I mean, he'll definitely get a few snaps. He was a second-round draft pick. So um, they definitely the Bengals have a lot of weapons, and it's going to be really difficult for the Chargers to, uh, you know, cover it's going to be the Bengals are going to be able to spread the wealth and it's going to be difficult for the Chargers in my opinion to cover all of them but you would be I think if you're Gus Bradley the defensive coordinator for the Chargers I think you'd be foolish if your game plan was all right we're not going to cover AJ Green well that shows that you don't have any respect for what AJ Green has done through his first seven plus seasons of actually being on the field it really eight seasons if you now now herein lies the 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 question for the Chargers because okay you cover AJ Green well Tyler Boyd's still there okay you you worry about him slot corner which I think Chris Harris on on Tyler Boyd that's going to be something to watch for on Sunday but then you think okay you eliminate those two guys John Ross Auden Tate you mentioned T Higgins Justin Joe Mixon out of the backfield Giovanni Bernard out of the backfield there are weapons all over the field oh CJ Uzama at tight end Drew Sample, Joe Burrow's ability to run. The Bengals this year have ways on offense outside of what they really want to do. Because the one thing that we've seen the last few seasons is the Bengals had a way of managing success on offense. But the one thing that Bill Lazor couldn't really do and, and really Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan couldn't do last year 
was they didn't know how to move the ball when plan A was thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. I think this year, and Preston, I want to hear what you have to think. This year, you have, you know, plan B, C, D, I mean, maybe go down to E, F, and G. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that all starts kind of with the quarterback, um, whereas it was Andy Dalton last year going into Joe Burrow this year. And then, like you said, Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. And then uh, going into the receiving, I mean, the receiving core is so deep this year for the Bengals. I mean, it's, it's one of the deeper ones in the league. And uh, I think you definitely have to respect that as an opposing defense. I mean, just all the weapons across the field. And like you said, if, if plan A is not working, then hopefully plan B starts working. Something that you did mention is uh, Joe Burrow's ability to run, which I think is definitely very underrated. I mean, just because of how well he, he was passing last year at LSU, but he, can, he really has, uh, he has some wheels on him. He can really get going. I think, so. I, I think you really hit on some great points there because when you mentioned the Bengals receiving core is one of the better ones in the league. I'll say this. I don't think it gets, I don't think it gets talked about enough. You throw A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd out there. Tyler Boyd's had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. A.J. Green had five straight 1,000-yard seasons to start his career, and if he hadn't gotten hurt in 2016, he had almost 1,000 yards through the first nine games of the season. I mean, he could have had 1,600 yards, potentially. We're talking, this was 2016. Had another 1,000-yard receiving season in 2017. If he hadn't gotten hurt in 2018, I think he would have had another one there. So, A.J. Green's production... We are spending a little bit of time on A.J. Green because he is, when he's on the field, the best player on the Bengals' office. At least he's, at least he's been that way over the years. Now, with Joe Burrow here, that might he might have something to say about that. But at the end of the day, when A.J. Green's on the field, don't tell me he's not important to the Bengals. Oh, he is. And I think that they know what, they, they know what they're going to get with A.J. Green when he's healthy. They know that they're going to get a consistent starter. They're going to get a guy that's going to get you more than likely 1,000 yards every season. Um but, you know, coming off injuries, we're not sure how he's going to come back. But I think they're okay with that. They're not going to ask him to, you know, be the same guy that he has been his first eight, nine seasons. And I think – or he's going into his ninth year. Tenth year, actually. Tenth year, tenth year. Okay. I couldn't believe that one. I was reading the media guy today. Tenth season. But to your point there, look, okay, th- there are some silver linings from last year's c- catastrophic 2-14 and 14 season. Tyler Boyd. Because – Look, as bad as it was not having A.J. Green out there and as difficult as that made it for the Bengals' offense to move the ball down the field and score points, Tyler Boyd had a really successful season. I mean, the, 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 guy, had, the guy had 90 catches and over 1,000 yards, and that came on a 2-14 and team that at one point was using a backup quarterback in Ryan Finley who did not have a good three-game stretch, although he did love throwing to Tyler Boyd, as we saw in the Pittsburgh game here. Mm-hmm. So... There are some silver linings. The development of Tyler Boyd, which we we knew in 2018 that he was going that he was a piece that the Bengals could use moving forward. Because look, AJ Green's playing on, on the franchise tag, right? We don't know if he's going to be here after this year. I still think the Bengals should strongly consider signing him to an extension. If he goes out there on Sunday and goes for 800 touchdown. That's a vintage AJ Green performance. Yeah, it's what we're, it's what we were used to seeing from 2011 through 2018. And if he has a season that's reminiscent of any of his any of his first five seasons, 2015 he had a really good year. 2013 he had an excellent year. Give the man a contract extension because what are you going to do? You're going to let him walk in free agency? No. AJ Green said, "I'll play on the franchise tag." In all honesty, though, we know he did not want to do that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you talked about the silver lining. 
And that's a really good point uh, that you made there with uh, Tyler Boyd. And you look at other um, examples of that. Look, just two hours north of here in Columbus when uh, JT Barrett went down the other year and Cardell Jones led the Buckeyes to a national championship. I mean, you would never have known the name Cardell Jones if it wasn't for JT Barrett going down. So you never want to see a star go down. I mean, that's, that's an obvious point there. But when you talk about the silver lining and maybe a backup that you wouldn't have known before or maybe wouldn't have got as many touches as before is now um, a, 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 a upcoming star in Tyler Boyd. So um, I think that's definitely a really good point there. And he is, and I lost my train of thought there. You're definitely right that, you know, because of A.J. Green, he wasn't obviously playing last year. That allowed for Tyler Boyd to really shine. Now, we knew about Tyler. We knew how good Tyler Boyd was because of the success he had in 2018. And it's funny that I think about this. And you remember this, Justin Preston. You might remember this too. Tyler Boyd's game-winning score against Baltimore that knocked them out of the playoffs oh, yeah. in 2017. And it really was from that game on that – because remember before the play, you're like you, – you weren't thinking about Tyler Boyd. No. 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 The only thing you were thinking about was if Marvin Lewis was going to actually go – was actually going to leave after the season. Well, Tyler Boyd catched that game-winning touchdown pass, and it, it was said either by him or someone else that – that really catapulted into the success to the success that he had in 2018, which he had a lot of success. And I'm thinking about this now. You think about AJ Green. This is going to be the first time he's played the Chargers since 2015, mm-hmm. because he wasn't there in 2018 when these two teams played. And as we maybe transition here, the Chargers do have a lot of familiar pieces from that game: Austin Eckler at running back, Keenan Allen. Mike Williams. Defensively, they're they're essentially the same. One guy is not there, Derwin James. We'll get to that in a minute. But for the first time since December 31st of 2005, guys, there will be a different quarterback under center for the Chargers. Yeah, and isn't uh, that crazy to think about? 2005. I know, I know, and uh, it will be definitely weird to see Philip Rivers in that <laughs> in that Colts blue, but. Uh, you know, More I think on that in week six. Yeah. So we could go on all day about AJ Green. I don't think there's any question about that. But I think what a lot of our viewers probably want to hear is what the matchups that we're looking forward to for this upcoming game. And I think that's something that we're very eager to talk about. And so there are a lot of really interesting matchups that we're going to be looking at, especially with the injuries. But um, if you want to, I'll start with Preston. If you want to talk about maybe a matchup that you're interested in, you know, wide receiver versus corner, uh, offensive, their offensive line versus our defensive line, you know, vice versa. So what do you think that, what's like a matchup that you're really looking forward to in uh, week one? I think that the matchup that I'm really looking forward to, and it's not really an individual matchup, but is their, how can their um, secondary contain our receiving core? As we talked about how deep our receiving core is. Um, and then, obviously, I mean, Joe Burrow plays in with that a little bit in the passing game. But mostly just how can our receivers, um, how, how, how well can they get open against the secondary, who is, I mean, we, you said we mentioned Jerwin James later, um, who is out. But, I mean, that, I think that's kind of what I'm most interested in is seeing this new wide receiver core for the first time. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because they, they've had a great secondary for a while, you know. Their corners are obviously very proven. They brought in Chris Harris Jr. from the Broncos, who's uh, kind of the seasoned veteran who's going to you know, probably be the heart and soul of this cornerback room, along with a couple of proven corners, Casey Hayward and Desmond King. And then obviously losing a guy like Derwin James is huge, but they're going to have a rookie like Nasir Adderley step in, and I think that he's going to be a big piece for them in the secondary. Uh, what about you, Alex? What do you think? I agree with what Preston says because the Chargers have had a great secondary for years, and you saw you saw how good 
they were in that playoff game against the Ravens that they that this was the 2018 season. Gus Bradley's like, all right, we're going to load seven guys in the box. And they pretty much, you know, it was their front their front four, and then it was, you know, the combination of their secondary and their linebackers. Now, obviously, some of their linebackers, their linebacking course a little bit different maybe than it was then. But the matchup that I'm most looking forward to is, and this is where I'm concerned, but at the same time, I'm interested in seeing it. I'm going to go up front and look at Jonah Williams, the Bengals left tackle, who we talk about Joe Burrow making his debut. How about Jonah Williams? I mean, this is technically his rookie season after missing all last year with the torn labrum. I think about him. I think about Bobby Hart of right tackle, who was listed as the starter with Fred Johnson right behind him. I want to see how they go up against Joey Bosa. That's going to be Jonah Williams' matchup. And then, where's it going to be? No, it's going to be um, Bobby Hart's. No, I'm sorry, Jonah Williams. I, yeah. I, I have this all backwards. Joey, uh, Jonah Williams is going to go up against Joey Bosa, who's the right defensive end, and then Bobby Hart go up against Melvin Ingram. I mean, that duo is as good as any sack, as, as good as any defensive end duo in the league. And then I think about you know the interior of the line: Michael Jordan at left guard, Trey Hopkins at center, Xavier Suafilo, another guy making his Bengals debut on Sunday, Suafilo at right guard. You talk about going up against Justin Jones and Linval Joseph. This Chargers defensive line, it's one of the better ones in the league. And against an offensive line of the Bengals, who, yes, played better down the stretch last season, I'm still concerned about the tackles. The interior of the line, I think it's going to be, I think you're, I think it's going to be a pleasant surprise. Michael Jordan, we read, has up to 315, 320 pounds. Trey Hopkins, we know what we saw from him last year. He was extremely consistent. Xavier Suafila comes over from Dallas. You know Dallas has had a, a reputation as being one of the better offensive lines, offensive line units in the league. So how can that unit contain the Chargers' defensive line? Because you remember watching Joey Bosa play at Ohio State. He He's a wrecking ball over there. The reason why he held out is because he believes he's so good, and rightfully so. I mean, the man just got a... Melvin Ingram just got a contract extension. Same with Joey Bosa. I mean, these... These two are getting paid millions to get after the quarterback, and rightfully so. And then you think about Linval Joseph, you know, big presence on the interior line for the Vikings for many years. Now he comes over. Gus Bradley has a, you know, a great-looking cupboard of players to get after the quarterback. And then Preston, what you said, I'm sorry for going on a little spiel here, but what you said about their secondary against the Bengals receiving core yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how the, how Joe Burrow, rookie quarterback, attacks the secondary with veterans like Chris Harris Jr., like Casey Hayward. They do have some rookies. I think if Brian Callahan is smart, which I hope he is, and I think he is, he's going to say to Zach Taylor, hey, target Rashawn, Rashawn Jenkins and Nasir Adderley in experience. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up the offensive line because I think as Bengals fans, it's one of the, definitely the most... It's definitely the uh, positional, positional group for the team that we need to upgrade the most. And I think that we think a lot, we expect a lot of Jonah Williams, but I mean, you got to think he, he's yet to play a preseason game. You know, he didn't play a preseason game last year and he definitely didn't play one this year due to COVID-19. And so, I mean, these are his first real live snaps. I mean, if you, um, if you're, unless you're considering the, you know, the scrimmages live snaps, but you know, him and Bobby Hart, who we all know who Bobby Hart is. We saw him get pushed around by T.J. Watt last year in the Monday Night Football game, and really any game. Um, D. Ford on Sunday Night Football in 2018, uh, remember that? Yeah, it's, it's, 
he's atrocious. So, um, but I think I'm going to go. Okay. So I'm going to go another way. So I'm going to also go to you talk about contract extensions for Joey Bosa and uh, Melvin Ingram. I'm going to go to a guy like Austin Eckler, and this is going to be my big matchup. This is the matchup I'm going to be watching for this uh, week. Is going to be Austin Eckler out of the backfield against our new linebacking crew because we brought in guys like Josh Bynes, Jermaine Pratt's still here from last year, but we also drafted Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither, and Logan Wilson was named a starter. And, you know, Austin Eckler had 900-plus receiving yards last year, and he was a great out of the backfield. And I think that with how atrocious this linebacking core was last year, it's going to be interesting to see how well they can handle the running back out of the backfield. And it's not just Austin Eckler. They have guys like Justin Jackson, and they also brought in Joshua Kelly from UCLA. And so, you know, they have a pretty loaded backfield, but Austin Eckler is going to be that focal point. And so how well can Logan Wilson – I mean, I know coming out of college, Logan Wilson was known for being a good cover linebacker. He was good at – you know, he had as many pass offenses almost as the corners. And then Josh Bynes, he's a little older. And Jermaine Pratt is, you know, he's stepped it up in the second half of the season last year. But who knows how good they're going to be able to cover those speedy, quick running backs out of the backfield. So I think that's something I'm going to be watching. I think that's something that is probably not going to be watched is not thought about enough going into this week. I think we think a lot more about the offensive defensive lines for both teams. But I think that's going to be the matchup that could honestly make or break this game because Tyrod Taylor, who knows if he's going to have Mike Williams, and he has Keenan Allen, but you know that's going to be his probably second weapon to Keenan Allen. Well, and I'll say this, um, Tyrod Taylor, we talk about, you mentioned him. This is the best roster I think that he's played with because, remember, he's had stints in Buffalo, and Buffalo had some talent, LaShawn McCoy, Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, but you know those guys are probably wide receiver two material. Now, LaShawn McCoy, when he was in his prime, was a top 10, top 5 running back in the NFL without question. Uh, with the Browns, and obviously he never really got a chance to show because Baker Mayfield was waiting in the wings, and after that Thursday night game, it was over from there for Taylor. He comes over to the Chargers. He's got a decent roster around him. Justin, you mentioned Austin Eckler. I, I think you're totally right because with his ability to be a threat out of the backfield, I mean, he had over, like you said, over 90 catches last year. Yeah. Or was it 900 receiving yards? Uh, it was 900 yards. receiving yards. 900 receiving yards, my bad. Although I think he had it was 92 receptions, yeah, 993 yards, and eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. This past season. I mean, I mean, those are wide receiver numbers. Yeah. Those are wide receiver numbers. This, this guy, we saw him in 2018 how good he was going to be. He comes out last year, he had three touchdowns in their season opener against the Colts. You know, and not just, all, not just Austin Eckler against our linebackers because... What's been one thing that's hurt the Bengals linebackers the last few years? Speedy offenses, particularly running backs. When we saw Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, what they did to the Bengals linebackers when the Saints were here, I'll give you another name that's going to test the Bengals linebackers. Hunter Henry. Have you seen the Bengals cover tight ends recently? No, it's it's been atrocious. It's been as bad as any team in the NFL and you know, they're going to really rely on him, especially with Virgil Green being questionable. They're going to, and he's back. He's finally healthy. And, you know, we've seen what he can be when he's fully healthy. And he's a great, he's top five tight end in the NFL. And it, it is really concerning trying to think about these Bengals linebackers covering tight ends because in the last few years, frankly, it's just been quite awful. Preston, what do you got? I would, we talk about the uh, Chargers backfield. Something that I would really like to know is how much, I mean, it's it's week one, so I'm sure he does have a good amount, but how much of a leash does Tyrod Taylor have before they pull the trigger on the rookie Justin Herbert? That's a hard question to answer because the Chargers intentionally 
and not bad, not in a bad way intentionally, but the reports that I was reading coming out of training camp for the Chargers, it made me think that they were putting Justin Herbert intentionally with the second and third team. Like they knew Tyrod Taylor was going to be the starter. So on one hand, you can say, you know, he doesn't have that much of a leash because Herbert's waiting. But on the other hand, you could be going, okay, um, Taylor was with the first team all along. You know, Justin Herbert did have accuracy issues with Oregon last year. I don't doubt his ability to lead an offense. I mean, he comes over from the Pac-12. Well, the Chargers are in, Pac- are in the Pac-12's backyard, essentially. So the answer, the answer to that question is, I don't think Taylor has a short leash. I think if the Chargers start struggling, if they come out, because think about this, their first two games, we'll look at it from a grand, look at it from a. Um, the the schedule as a whole but the Chargers' first two games are here in cincinnati and then kansas city the following week then they host carolina then they're at tampa bay at new orleans i mean that's a one and four start potentially this game's a toss-up they're going to lose next week to kansas city i think carolina could go either way at tampa bay that's a loss at new orleans on monday night football that's a loss even though the saints probably won't have fans in this in the superdome or may not have fans so very easy one and four start. And what's going to happen when there's a rookie quarterback waiting in the wings? Not only are the coaches going to see that, the fans are going to see it. And then the media is going to pick up on it. Then the media should, influ- should not influence coaches' decisions. But if fans are hearing it, the media is going to question Anthony Lynn. And then in turn, Herbert could be starting sooner than you know. But to answer your question, long story short, he does not have a short leash. Unless the Chargers get off to a bad start, which is what plagued them last year. And I don't think it was difficult for Anthony Lynn to make the decision to go with Tyrod Taylor. And I really don't think it'd be a difficult decision to easily put Justin Herbert in after the first couple of games, especially if, you know, losing to a 2-14 and team this past season. And then Chiefs, you know, I mean, obviously the reigning Super Bowl champions. So, I mean... It just depends on how Tyrod plays. If he can string together, you know, maybe a few good games in the first four or five games, I'm not sure if we see Justin Herbert. Um, maybe after their bye, maybe we see a little bit more of him if Tyrod struggles. But, you know, I don't think that Anthony Lynn is – I don't think he's hesitant to pull the trigger on Herbert coming in. I mean, you don't draft a guy that high to not play him. You know, I mean, as a rookie, you need as much, much playing time as you can get. No preseason, you know, you're going to have to play at some point. And, I mean, it's just like with Mahomes, he came in at the very end of his rookie year, and he played okay, and then he finally played, you know, one MVP in his second year, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, it will be interesting to see, but, like, just to reiterate, I just don't think that it will be difficult for Anthony Lynn to bring in Herbert if Taylor struggles. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, I think that, uh, and you look at Tyrod Taylor, um, and the last time that Tyrod Taylor started was with the Cleveland Browns. And look what happened there when they bring in a rookie. And I think it was game two or three, maybe, or maybe four against the Jets. Yeah. And you bring in Baker Mayfield then midway through the game, and you talk about the fans. Um, that was a big thing with the fans, you know, because they had went, went winless the year before, first two games they were losing. And they bring in um, Baker Mayfield, and I'm not, I'm not, I think it was either Monday night or Thursday night football. Um, and Baker Mayfield leads him to that win, and then he breaks a couple of rookie records. And I think that that's, that's just something that I thought about, you know, with talking about Tyrod Taylor. 
That's the thing about being a rookie quarterback. It's when you're in a position like Justin Herbert, the fans are going to love you if the guy in front of him is struggling. Um, now, Joe Burrow doesn't have that luxury. Joe Burrow has a ton of pressure on him. I brought this up to uh, Sean, our Bearcats weekly show host last night. I said, if the Bengals had won multiple playoff games under Marvin Lewis, maybe gotten to an AFC Championship game, maybe gotten to a Super Bowl, heck, maybe won a Super Bowl, last year's season would have been like, eh, it happens. Yeah. No. The 2-14 and 14 season last year was a culmination of frustration that had been building for years and years and years. For as good as what Marvin Lewis did in bringing this franchise out from, back from the dead, I, I mean, he also, uh, I mean, at the end of his tenure, things were just so stale. And they hadn't accomplished anything yet. Now you're bringing Joe Burrow at a time where your franchise is struggling, the attendance was seriously lacking. Do you realize there were less than 40,000 fans at the Jets game last year, the game against the Jets? Mm -hmm. 39,000 fans in a stadium that holds 65,000. What is this, baseball in, in December? Yeah. No. And I, I mean, I would argue that Joe Burrow probably has the most pressure on his shoulders of any player in the entire NFL this upcoming season. You know, number, yeah. number one pick, I mean, arguably the best college career of any quarterback in the NCAA. And then he's brought into this team that all of a sudden is making all these free agency moves that you've never seen them make before. They're spending all this money. They're doing all these things. They have all these moving pieces. And then they have a young head coach, you know, that's a branch of Sean McVay's coaching tree. And you think, I sure knows if that's really all that impressive because you saw what the Rams struggles last year and I don't know how they're going to fare this year. Yeah, but I mean, then again, he's worked with Jared Goff when Jared Goff had his great year in 2018 and you just think that this all, this team has all the weapons, you know, just like we talked about earlier, they have all the weapons on offense. And Joe Burrow, I mean, I just like from what we've heard from training camp, you know, he sounds like he's going to be everything that he's supposed to be, you know, but what if he's not? What if he's... But if he struggles in the first half of the season, but then again, he's just a rookie and rookies make mistakes. Rookies have the, you know, they make mistakes, but they're pinned on such a platform, especially Joe Burrow. And so when they struggle, it's, it's broadcasted to the entire world. And you think, wow, this guy's a bust, but you know, it's, I think it's struggles that most rookie quarterbacks have, you know, I mean, except for some anomalies, but you know, it's, it's just, it's. Very, I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine being in Joe Burrow's shoes right now, you know, getting ready for the first game of the season and having the whole weight of the world on my shoulders. But if there's anybody I think that can embrace the situation, it is Joe Burrow. You think about where he's, you think about his upbringing, you think about where he's from, you think about all the adversity that he faced at Ohio State. You know, he, he red shirts behind what? JT, I mean, he's behind, plays behind JT Barrett, never really gets the opportunity. He transfers to LSU despite only one month of, of, uh, preparation heading into the season is named the starter. LSU goes ten and three, but then they bring in Joe Brady, uh, and he and Steve Ensminger just completely revamped the offense. Now it did help when you had the best receiving core in college football last year with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Thaddeus Moss, and a whole bunch. And I, I mean Clyde Edwards Hilaire even. Yeah. Um, and he has the greatest season by any college football quarterback in the history of college football. So he embraced it. But it, but it wasn't like, oh, it wasn't just like, oh, well, he has all these weapons. Okay, goes into Tuscaloosa, wins that game. Goes into Austin, Texas, wins that game. Beats Georgia in the SEC Championship game. Shreds Oklahoma in the uh, Peach Bowl. Then beats the best defense in college football last year in Clemson in the National Championship. 
He's built for this. He knows, he knows what he's walking into. But all those national media pundits are like, oh, Joe Burrow doesn't want to play for the Bengals, blah, 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 blah. No, wasn't that. He was using the leverage that he had from being the presumptive number one overall pick. Joe Burrow's no dummy. He knows, okay? He knows. But he's also got a personality. You, I, I'm not sure how much you guys remember of Carson. And I, I was only, what, um, four years old when Carson Palmer came into the league? But thinking back to it, Carson Palmer had no personality. He was not ready. He did not fully embrace the situation. He had talent. I mean, he, he was Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. Joe Burrow has personality. Joe Burrow is not dry. He's got some charisma. He's got some flavor to him. He's ready for this. Yeah, and what you both kind of touched on a little bit, and what you touched on there at the end, is, I mean, Joe Burrow was always loved by his teammates, you know, no matter where he was. And at LSU, something that was really big and that I know was talked about some is his ability, and what really made him loved by the team even more, and as a leader, is his ability to take a hit and get up and, you know, just keep playing even more, and that he might need to use that a little bit this season with the Bengals. And there's one example in particular that I think of. Um, it would have been the 2018 Fiesta Bowl against UCF. Oh, God, you got clocked. Six and gets destroyed. And then from actually that from then on out, I mean, it was – I mean, even the rest of that game, they're down, I think, 14-3 to three at that point, and they end up winning by, I think it was 40-32. to 32. Mm-hmm. UCF scored a late touchdown. Um, but then from then on out, from the rest of that game to the, into the last season, I mean, he was he – was, his ability to take that hit and get up, I think that earned him so much respect. And think about um, – think about Joe Burrow going into his senior season at LSU. Was a projected sixth-round draft pick. Sixth. If you went to Vegas – and you were and you were gonna place money on who you thought was gonna win the Heisman Trophy. You probably thought, hmm, Tua. You probably thought, hmm, maybe Jalen Hurts. You probably thought, um, Justin Fields. Who else would you think of besides Tua? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. How could I forget him? Trevor Lawrence. Chase Young. Chase Young. I'm in that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was funny. I, it's funny you brought up that hit by UCF, um, UCF. I can't remember his name. I believe it was Nate something or another. But they had a, the Bengals actually signed him as an undrafted free agent to their practice squad uh, this offseason. And then actually earlier on this week, I can't remember if it was yesterday or not, but Joe Burrow was doing an interview and someone asked him what the hardest hit he ever took was. And he, and he said, I'm not going to give that person the satisfaction of knowing that they're the hardest person, they're the hardest hit I've ever taken. You can take that multiple ways, though. I don't know how you take that. You don't want to give anybody the satisfaction. Um, why? I'm trying to figure out like what that actually means. I feel like you can go multiple ways with that. What the giving them the satisfaction? Yeah, you you, you can you can put a spin on you can put multiple different spins on that. What Joe Burrow said. Um, I think maybe it's probably just because he doesn't he doesn't want that person to say, oh well, you know, I just. Oh, I definitely am the hardest hitter that hit this number one overall quarterback, Heisman winner, best college football player to probably ever play. I don't know. That's probably how. That's how I took it. He was laughing during it. It wasn't. It wasn't like a serious thing, but he thought it was. It's a, that was a funny question. I think at Joe Burrow, like he, you can tell he's having fun. He's not taking this too seriously, yeah. even though he's taking. He's treating every practice like it's Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, he he said that recently. This is why. Joe Burrow, this, this is why the excitement surrounding Joe Burrow, it's not just the play on the field. 
oh, when he threw for seven touchdowns last year against Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl, it's like, yeah, that's our quarterback. And we knew, and we were excited because of what we saw on the field. Now you hear what he says in the media. You hear what he says on social media. He says to the media, excuse me. Says on social social media, you know, I think, you know, the Heisman Trophy speech where it prompted so much money raised for Athens and it really kind of shed a light on where he's from and how much that means to him. You think about silver linings. You know, when the NFL draft went totally virtual, Joe Burrow was going to be in Vegas. He probably, he probably was going to be smoking a cigar in the green room. Hmm. Instead, he's back home. He's got a he's got a shirt on that says seven four zero. That's the area code for Athens. He's at home with his parents watching the draft. And I'm like, for a guy that has so much aura over him, and how famous he has become in such a short period of time, to be able to be in that setting with his family, he's at home. He's where he's from. His roots. That speaks a lot to Joe Burrow. Okay. Go ahead. You can go ahead, Preston. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what makes him so exciting is obviously his play on the field, um, his personality, and then, like you said, just his aura, just how he handles himself. And he, I'd say he almost has the perfect attitude of an athlete where he can, he can turn it on one second and be completely serious the next second, you know, in his, uh, in his enthusiasm. And I, I, his confidence is right up there, too. He's just so confident. And I think that's what another thing that makes him so exciting is you couldn't be able to probably go into the NFL and be a quarterback one, or you definitely couldn't be able to go in the NFL and be quarterback one if you're as a rookie if you're not confident in it if you if you aren't 100 percent confident in yourself and that's definitely something that Joe Burrow has and that I think especially holds true in a situation like this season with the entire off season being wiped out because of the pandemic and no preseason games. I mean, this is an unprecedented situation that Joe Burrow and the Bengals and anybody in the NFL is walking into. I mean, this goes for even veteran teams because you're talking about your first live action being against uh, another team in the regular season. This is where it counts. Now, I'll say last night, I didn't really know. I didn't really see any noticeable rust. I think you saw what you expected. Kansas City was by far and away the better team in that matchup. But I still think Houston, who the Bengals play in Week 16... I think they are still a very good team, mm-hmm. or at least a good team. Deshaun Watson um, struggled a little bit last night, the Texans' offense, but I saw some signs of life in them in the fourth quarter. Um, so I think, you know, I think these guys are just ready to play. Yeah. Now, does not having a preseason and an offseason program, is that going to impact Joe Burrow? You would think yes, but at the same time, based on who we, what we know about Joe Burrow and who he is, maybe not. Yeah, and I know, uh, I don't know how much, I don't want to go too much on Joe Burrow because I think we all know how talented Joe Burrow is and how excited we are. So uh, we're going to go on to the next thing that we want to talk about. And we already touched on it a little bit, but we're going to talk about, we already did matchups we're looking forward to, but we're just some favorable matchups for week one against the Chargers that you think that the Bengals have an advantage in, what you know, whether that be wide receivers, whether that be defensive line. And you could also touch on a little bit of the injuries. Um, you know, Some of the players are obviously questionable, like we mentioned earlier. So what are some positional uh, battles that you think are going to be uh, favorable for the Bengals? Believe it or not, I'm going to say their wide receivers against the Chargers secondary for as good as it is, there are some areas we can exploit. Let, uh, you, you remember this game when we played when the Bengals played Seattle in 2015. 
The one thing the Bengals did was they targeted the weakest link um, of Seattle's secondary. Now, you can say, well, why would you target the weakest link? Well, obviously, you're not going to target um, uh, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and Richard Sherman, but but by targeting the weak, but by targeting the weakest link, that's going to force other players to step up, and it did. And ultimately, Tyler Eifert burned Cam Chancellor twice in that game. So, if I'm Brian Callahan, I'm thinking, okay, Rayshon Jenkins and Nasir Adderley, not very experienced. Let's send let, let's send Tyler Boyd over the middle. Let's send you know even Auden Tate. Let's send our tight ends, whoever. Let's target those players and force Chris Harris and Casey Hayward to make plays. Desmond King isn't even going to be starting. The, now, I'd be shocked if he did not get any action when it comes to the secondary. But Derwin James is in there. You can target their secondary. I really think the Bengals can have some success. It's just if Jonah Williams and Bobby Hart can block Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. If they can do that, that opens up the passing game. Dave Laugham has said this multiple times. The Bengals have to run the football. Because if they're in third and two, and this is what Dave Laugham was saying, if they're in third and two, the Chargers can't send Bosa and Ingram at Joe Burrow. You have to think Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are licking their chops to play rookie quarterback. I don't, I don't care if it's Joe Burrow or not. They're licking their chops. They're smart. Okay? But if it's third and seven, third and eight, if Joe Mixon can't get going, they're gonna they're gonna tee off, as Dave Laugham says. Mm. So, Justin, you mentioned you're gonna be watching Austin Eckler against the Bengals linebackers. I'm watching the Bengals' ability to run the football. How how long are the third downs? That's what's gonna stand out to me. Or I'm looking forward to seeing Preston. Um, I'm also with a favorite matchup going to look at the Bengals receivers against the Chargers secondary, but maybe from a little different angle in the depth. Because I mean, you look at Derwin James, who's going to be out for the Chargers, and then you look. I'd say the Bengals have five really solid wide receivers between AJ Green, uh, John Ross, Auden Tate, Tyler Boyd, and then T Higgins. I think you look at T Higgins. He was we we did draft him in the second round, but he he very easily could have almost been a first round pick. You look at how well he did at Clemson, and he was he was one of the best receivers in the country last year. Um, over the last two seasons, he's been really good with the um, uh, Clemson Tigers. So I look at the depth, and I think that as the game wears on, especially the Chargers missing their uh, their best defensive back, as the game wears on, I think that we have we just have so much depth there in the backfield, and especially with the block or in the uh, receiving court, especially with the blocking as you touched on uh, from from the tackles. Uh, that's going to have a big, uh, big, you know, play on how good the passing game does. But I definitely think that the best favorable matchup is the receivers against their secondary. And I think that how I mentioned Austin Eckler that he's going to be he's going to present a challenge for our linebackers. I think that Joe Mixon is he's not as much of a pass catching running back as Eckler is, but I think also Joe Mixon versus our linebackers is going to be the biggest advantage that we have but that's only because i say that because i think that our interior offensive line has an advantage against their interior d-line you know Linval joseph is obviously a good player he's you know he was a good player in uh in minnesota then they also have younger guys like justin jones and jerry tillery cortez broughton shout out uc yeah uh but you know th- those guys aren't as proven in the league as guys like joey bosa and melvin ingram and i think if they you know guys like trey hopkins and Xavier suafilo you know, Billy Price, I think that if they're able to get a good push up front on the inside, I think that Joe Mixon, he's one of the best, um, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL and he can make, 
these linebackers miss. And their linebacker group, honestly, is probably one of the, I would say it's probably the leakest wink of, you know, their defense, uh, Denzel Perryman. I'm looking at the depth chart right now. Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil, a rookie. Nick Vigil, we all know what he is uh, coming from Cincinnati. Kenneth Murray, who is a good player at Oklahoma. Great first, player. Great player. And I think that he's definitely their best can linebacker. Can line up both a linebacker and a catcher. They can line up a linebacker and defensive end. It's kind of like a hybrid. Kind of like what Brian Wright was here for UC last year. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I see when I was watching highlights of Kenneth Murray earlier today. I mean, that guy... Has, I, I was telling you, Justin, he has a nose for the football. But and I definitely can but get I, after the quarterback. But I definitely think, like, obviously he's a great rookie and Drew Tranquil, and I think those guys can definitely have the ability to step up. But I think at the end of the day that Joe Mixon is, I mean, he's so strong and he has such a quick burst. And I think he's able to make the guys miss that, I mean, I really think that he could probably pit, you know, easily 100-plus yards. I mean, he had the slow start to the season last year. But after this big contract, I really think that he wants to get off to a big start. Um when you know start at the start of this season so so what are we saying are we saying that we feel like there are some favorable matchups for the Bengals on offense to exploit with the Chargers defense for as good as it is but at the same time because we have not seen them play a game other than against them against the opposing defense like that's why like the Bengals can absolutely win this game they have the necessary pieces on offense but at the same time because we haven't seen it is that why we're think? Is that why like I'm leaning towards picking the Chargers, which we'll get to. Got a, less than 15 minutes left, so we got to um, kind of pull things together here. But I, I totally agree with what you're what you're saying, Preston. I, I mean, you you mentioned the depth of the Bengals receiving core and the fact that it can attack the Chargers secondary, which, despite it being a stronger unit, Derwin James, his absence leaves a a gaping hole. And I look at their linebacking core, Justin, you mentioned it. Outside of Kenneth Murray, who's a rookie, um, Kaiser White, Denzel Perriman, Drew Tranquil, Nick, Nick Vigil's about the only other veteran I can think of that I know what he can do. And then they have Amike Igbule. I probably just butchered that name, sorry. Hmm. Um, it, it, that's Look, there are ways you can attack this defense. For as good of a defense that Gus Bradley, the Chargers defensive coordinator, has... At the same time, there's there's flaws within it. Yeah, and I think it's just like with any team, you know, you have to find the you have to game plan around the weak spots. You have to game plan about you know you have to take what you can as the game goes along, and you have to figure out you know what's working, what's not. And if early on they realize you know these linebackers are exactly what they thought we were, and we can exploit them just how we thought we could, you know, leading into this game, I think that we have good enough coaches and coordinators that are going to be able to exploit that throughout the duration of the game and I think at the end of the day that Joe Mixon can easily have a 100-120 plus yard game. One thing about Joe Mixon and I want to see this this year is I want to see him be that running back that completely takes over games in the fourth quarter because look for as good as Joe Burrow is and for as many games as he won in his career and for as dominant as he was last year you want to take you want to take some of the load off of him in the fourth quarter. You want to ease him into playing in those kinds of games. This game is going to be close going into the fourth quarter. I want to see Joe Mixon just eat up yards and the clock. Yeah, and what I will say about the Bengals offense is, especially you talked about COVID nineteen earlier. This is this is a rough year 
to not have preseason football for the Bengals because I mean, it's a very new offense. I mean, there's some new players in the defense too, but the offense, I mean, like a very a very new offense. I mean, you got a new quarterback. I mean, that's that's the that's the main part right there is a new quarterback. But I mean, especially with AJ Green coming back, uh, Jonah Williams, a new uh, this yeah as you said, it's basically his rookie year. Um, this is it's a rough uh, year. It's a, it's a bad year for this to be the year where you don't have any preseason football. Or, you know, it's hard to practice uh, but, in the, before the season. But at the same time, every team's in the same boat. Mm-hmm. You think about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay, he goes out there last night having not played in a live game against another team until last night, and he still has over 130 yards rushing with a touchdown. So it's just a matter of which teams are able to overcome the adversity, not make any excuses. And I think Joe Burrow, for and I'm not trying to at all dismiss what Andy Dalton did. Keep in mind... Andy Dalton led the Bengals to the playoffs in 2011 without an offseason. I mean, the Bengals did not practice until training camp. And he still led the team, which was coming off a terrible 4-12 season, was totally new, totally inexperienced, and they and he led them to the playoffs. I mean, that's not an easy accomplishment. And so, but Joe Burrow, he's not going to... Andy Dalton, I felt like, was limited... Joe Burrow, he can mask any deficiencies. We talked about this, Justin, on Monday. He can mask any deficiencies that this Bengals team has. And there are deficiencies, like an offensive line. The offensive line, I hate to tell you, for as as upgraded as it might be and for as much improved as it might be on paper, excluding Bobby Hart, it's still questionable because we saw their their flaws last year. Mm -hmm. Really, really the last two seasons. It's been that way ever since guys like Andrew Whitworth and Clint Bowling and Kevin Zeidler all left. So I think what Preston, what you're saying, it's just a matter of which teams don't make excuses, don't let the fact that there wasn't a preseason get into their heads, go out there, play some football, do what you know what to do. And I think if the Bengals do that, they could potentially come out with the win. So I think we've talked a lot about positional groups and which which ones we think are going to be able to exploit the others. So we're going to transition into what's the singular player on the Cincinnati Bengals that you think is going to be the key to victory on Sunday. And which player do you think is going to, you know, if this player plays well, that, you know, you think they're going to win and they're going to win a lot of games this year because if they continue this level of play that there's, you know, they can easily win their positional matchup each and every single week. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. I'm going to say it every week. Because he's so valuable to this team, he's the heart and soul of this team. When he's playing well, the Bengals are playing well. I would, I would completely agree, and I think that Joe Mixon is, you know, he didn't get that big contract for nothing, you know. No. Yeah. And I think in a, I think it's interesting because in a league where so many media members and so many fans and so many people say, you know, don't pay running backs because you know, they don't have that long of a shelf life, you know. Then they point to guys like Todd Gurley. And then, you know, you think like guys like Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, guys that have been playing the game for a really long time. And I think Joe Mixon has the ability to do that. Granted, he's only going into his fourth year, but, you know, the level of play that he's been able to pit up consistently, I think is, I don't think that he's, he hasn't had too many, too many injuries. He hasn't missed too many games. Um, you know, just like any running back, they're going to miss games. But when he's at, when he's, productive and he's playing at his highest level this team can really beat anybody and uh, I think that it just has a lot to do with the offensive line and other I mean obviously issues on the other uh, other aspects of the team that have really held them back but um, you know I think 
this team talked about a lot about after they signed Joe Mixon that they look at the individual player. They don't want to go, oh, well, you know, this guy got this much money on another team, so we're going to give him this much money. Obviously, that plays into it, but it, I, that's not the only factor. They look, they look at, well, this guy's done this for our team. They're able to do this, and I think that he's going to be able to do this in the future for, you know, for this X amount of years. Um, and I think that you're perfectly right in saying that Joe Mixon is the guy that's going to lead this team to, you know, several wins if, you know, hopefully the playoffs this year. So you're basically saying that Joe Mixon is the key player on Sunday. Well, I'll get to my pick in a minute. I'm going to let Preston get to his pick first. Well, so you're going to disagree with me here. Okay. No, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, right, right, okay. I would, I would probably agree with the Joe Mixon route. Um, whereas uh, where he, I think he's maybe the most key player. Just to, just to switch things up a little bit, I'm, I'm going to look maybe towards see what A.J. Green has. Maybe not as the the main impact, but just to see how close he can come to what he was before the injuries. Um, and obviously just off one week, you can't tell that for sure. But I would just like to see kind of just in week one, just see how he can bounce back. And I think that he, I mean, if he can be reminiscing of the A.J. Green of old, I mean, that's, that's huge. I think that's huge because you know, you know what Tyler Boyd is. And you, you know if A.J. Green can be what he was. I mean, that's, or just even remotely close to what he was, reminiscing of it. I think that's, that's humongous, especially with a rookie quarterback. Let me just say two things really quick on, and I totally agree where you're coming from with A.J. Green because, you know, the Bengals, we saw what they are going to do with Zach Taylor, but we haven't seen A.J. Green in that mix yet. Well, if he goes out there, and like you said, Preston, if he's close to what we know him as, that's, that's going to be a game changer. You talk about Joe Mixon, Justin. Keep this in mind. At the time that the, at the time that this is being published, Alvin Kamara does not have a contract extension. Yeah. Derrick Henry does. Joe Mixon does, but not Kamara. And by the way, we talk about running backs. Notice how the running backs in the NFL are smaller, not as large as guys like maybe Rudy Johnson and Frank Gore and Mark Ingram are. But your new running backs. The new the new generation of running backs, they're lean, they're fast, their lateral their lateral agility is great and game changing, and that's why maybe they're going to have longer shelf lives. Look at Alvin Kamara, guys like a wide receiver. Look at Joe Mixon, guys like a wide receiver. Shame what happened to Le'Veon Bell because he kind of ushered that in. Well, actually, I shouldn't say he ushered that in, but I, I think a more guys like Marshall Falk and Ladainian Tomlinson, even though they were bigger guys, but. Now you're seeing that these running backs, they're, they're smaller, they're faster, they're not as physical. And I think that's definitely true, but I also think that Joe Mixon, he's a, you know, he's a real north and south runner. He's not going to go out. I mean, he can, I mean, he can run uh, sideline to sideline. I mean, I'm not saying that he can't do that, but he's really he's going to pound you. He's going to break those tackles. He's going to truck you, and I think that's really reminiscent of you know, the kind of old style of running that we used to see. Um, and I think it's really fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I think that the style of running back now definitely isn't what it used to be. And I think Joe Mixon, I think he has a little bit of both. I think that he can do, you know, he has the finesse moves. He has the ability to make a guy miss. He has a, you know, make several guys miss in one play. But I also think that he can truck you and I think that he can run over you. And I think that he can do that with ease and he can keep getting back, keep getting up, you know, do it play after play after play. And I don't think that's going to be a problem for him because, I, I mean, he's been, you know, he's been able to stay healthy throughout his career thus far. So I'm going to get into my pick. Um, and I don't want to – Joe Mixon, obviously, was probably going to be my pick. But the guy that I think that is also 
and very vital to this team is Jonah Williams. The reason I say that is because you look at the left tackle play that we've had over the last few years. After Andrew Whitworth left, we have not had a solid starter at left tackle. We did that trade with Buffalo for Cordy Glenn, and then you know that all kind of fell apart. He never really excelled to what we thought he would be. He was average at best, but you know we've had guys like John Jerry come in, re-signing Andre Smith, who is you know late 30s, whatever it is, and you know it's it's kind of just like throwing the towel and saying, well, we don't have a left tackle right now, and so you know we're just going with what we got, and it's really showed on the field and you see like the week four against the Steelers when and uh, Andy Dalton got sacked seven times granted it was mostly from Bobby Hart and TJ Watt when he ran through Bobby Hart the entire game but I think that if Jonah Williams can come in and play and play at just an average level just an, a consistent average level he doesn't have to be elite starting off hopefully that's what he'll become later on in his career as the season progresses and later on in his career I think that if he's able to do that, I think this team really has no limits because they have all the offensive weapons already. And Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green, John Ross, Joe Mixon, Allen and Tate, all the guys that we've already mentioned. But it's really it all starts up front. You always hear Dave Lapham say it all starts up front all the time. You know, he was an offensive lineman, and he knows the importance. And so I think that if Jonah Williams can play at just an average level, I think that this team will be in a really good position to win multiple games. Got about two and a half minutes left here. We're about to wrap things up. Are we covered everything that you had on the agenda? Yeah, I think that we've covered everything. I think if we just want to go through our picks for this week and uh, what uh, we think is going to happen with, with the score, I think we, uh, we can do that real quick. Earlier this week, I said the Chargers would win this game 27-24. Guess what? I'm a changed man. The Chargers, I'm telling you what, I'm seeing the weaknesses. Mike Pouncey being out, that's going to allow the Bengals defensive linemen to get after Tyrod Taylor. I'm going to flip my pick and pick the Bengals to win this game. I'll say 27-20. to 20. Preston? I'm also going to go with the Bengals here. I think that... Uh... I think that it's a very exciting week one. You know, you don't know exactly what this Bengals team is going to be for sure. So I think it's very exciting. And I think that they're going to come out with the win here against Los Angeles. I'm going to say Bengals 28-17. to 17. Mm. And I was with right there with you, Alex. I said that I thought the Bengals were going to lose. But after seeing the injuries to the offensive line, even if the two guys, Brian Belaga and Trey Turner, are able to play, who knows what, how, what percent that they're going to be. They're not going to be at 100% because they're already questionable. But with Mike Pouncey out, and I see, I see the hope. I think Bengals are going to pull this one out 24-16. to 16. Ooh. And so we, uh, all three of us have the Bengals winning, and we are very excited for it, only a couple yes. days away. Um, so this is the BearCast Media Bengals Weekly Preview Show. I am Justin Cashman. He is Alex Frank, and he is Preston Stober. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to talking to you soon. We'll see you on Monday for the reaction show. Hopefully they'll play this song a lot at Paul Brown Stadium <laughs> on uh, Sunday. Man, I wish we could go to the game. I know. <laughs>